Thank you, Father God, for today. Thank you for the Light to the Nations series. And Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll make us a lighthouse to this world. I pray that you'd switch on the lamp in our spirit today in the name of Jesus concerning world mission. And Father God, we pray that you who started a good work in us over these past five weeks, Lord, will complete it in Jesus' name. So Father, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you more. We pray for a revelation today, prophetic revelation and divine insight. And we pray as a result of this series that you would stir up missionaries in this house, Father, in the name of Jesus. Stir up the call of God concerning missions in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray we'll leave this this place changed and transformed by your mighty power in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise here today. Hallelujah. Fantastic. I wanted to read a few scriptures. There's a video I'd like to play in a few moments. But if you have a Bible, turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. And uh, when it comes to some of these statistics, they can be mind-boggling and uh, surprising. But I want you to be stirred as a result of today. That God can do the impossible, even though the statistics are a bit of a challenge. It says here in Habakkuk chapter 1, Look among the nations and watch and be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so when it comes to world missions, we need the breath of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to breathe on some of these unreached people. Then I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 49, where we get this phrase, light to the Gentiles or light to the nations. And here in Isaiah 49, it says, indeed, verse 6 He says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I'll give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now I believe in KT that God has called us to be a lighthouse to the nations. When we were praying in our early morning prayer meetings uh, in the first week, Pastor Amanda was uh, running the Wednesday and we were praying for Mali. And as we were praying in the season for Mali, she had this vision of of a light. A light just going through the nation, like God's light, God's glory. And if you know the situation in Mali, how it was, they went through a coup and, and the president was knocked out of power and, and they went through some changes and the gospel's been a challenge in the north. All of the churches that were in the north had to come down to the south as a result into Bamako and there's many refugees. That is hope right there where we're praying and interceding. As we're praying and interceding, God is showing us that there's a light coming into the nations. Hallelujah. Amen. And then when we were praying also on Monday for Romania, I had an impression that as we were interceding, one of the ladies was interceding, suddenly I had a vision of a, of a lighthouse. And we all know that a lighthouse is a warning or is a vessel of hope for people who are there in the, in the rough seas. And as we began to intercede, it was like I had this impression that there was a flicker. The lighthouse was off and the rough seas were out there. But as we began to intercede, the lighthouse began to flicker, began to be turned on. And God began to minister to me that what's happening this month is that we're starting to supercharge that lighthouse with fresh power from God in Jesus' name. And that the lighthouse is beginning to be turned on. So here today, we're talking about the unfinished task of world mission. And I'm going to ask the guys in the technical gallery to just play a short clip for three minutes about unreached people groups. So if we can play that right now, and then we'll move on in the presentation.
Hallelujah. Very stirring message. Let's just pray. Father, as we come to this topic of the unfinished task, it's my prayer, Father, that you'll stir us in our spirit today in the name of Jesus. And Father God, we'll not be overwhelmed by these statistics, but we'll be encouraged that right now, Father, we are enjoying the greatest revival the world has ever seen, Father, and the increase of evangelicalism and the Pentecostal world, Father. And people are being saved, Father God. Hundreds of thousands of people are being saved. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for Missions Month. We thank you for over £30,000 that we've raised for missions during this month. And we know that's just the beginning. It's our prayer that you'll raise up intercessors and you'll raise up people willing to give and you'll raise up people willing to go in the name of Jesus. Amen. I said about two weeks ago at the 7 p.m. service, one of the scriptures that I was praying about in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. And this phrase was that I was praying was that God would wake up the church. God would wake us up. Now, before we can pray that God will wake up the church, we need to pray that God will wake us up. Hallelujah. That something will happen in our spirit today in Jesus' name. And the Bible says, wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, last week, praise. How many people were here for praise's topic last week? about the Protestant Revolution. Some encouraging things that have happened in the last hundred years where the church has expanded and the church has exploded in places like Africa where the, the Christianity has just literally exploded in South Africa, the southern part of Africa. And here's some statistics like I'd like to share with you about the progress of world evangelization. In AD 100, per believer, per non-believers, per 360 non-believers for every one believer. In AD 1000, there was 220 non-believers for every one believer. In AD 1500, there were 69 non-believers for every one believer. AD 1900, there was 27 for every one believer. In AD 1950, there was 21 non-believers for every one believer. In 1980, that was only 30-something years ago, there was 11 for every one believer. In 1989, there was seven for every one believer. And in the 2000, the year 2000, there was four. It was down to four for every one believer. And in AD 2010, for every non-believer, there was three non-believers for one believer. Thank God for the acceleration of evangelism in these statistics right here. And so we know that God is on the move. Just from those statistics alone, we know that Jesus could return any moment. Jesus could come back at any moment because the world is being reached with the gospel. Now I'm going to go on to the presentation here in these slides today. Now, our focus as a church, our vision statement is London and the world for Jesus Christ. And in fact, our focus has been, we've received a word from God, a prophecy that we'd reach out to this window. This window here is the 1040 window. It's the least evangelized area of the world where most atheists, they're animists, Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhists, predominantly Muslim, Hindu, and Buddhists dwell. That's our aim as a church. Now, we are doing work in Brazil. Our work in Brazil is to raise up missionaries for Brazil, but also to send them into the 1040 window. So that's a vision that we have. Now, as we're moving ahead, this is another picture of the 1040 window. You see there, northern Africa, and then parts of India and China, and most of the Middle East there being unreached with the gospel. Now, as you move forward, this is another uh, focus map of the 1040 window. And uh, this is something that we'll share at the end. Guess what that is? 
Now, these are five things that we're going to be discussing today during this unfinished task. The big picture, Jesus' last words, status of the Great Commission, the gospel to the ends of the earth, a dramatic recent progress, some interesting statistics that I'll share with you today on the progress of world missions, and then the challenge of the unfinished task. Now, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now if you've been in KT a long time, you'll know that that's our focus, to make disciples. Now we focus on making disciples, but our mission statement, the Great Commission, is to make disciples of all nations. That word nations is not just political nations, what you see on the world map, which you just saw a few moments ago, but the actual word is ethne. It means ethnic people groups. In fact, on the next slide in a few minutes, I'll show you that. And then the results, the God's glory and the kingdom filling the earth. I want you to turn over just to read that scripture in Revelation 7 and verse 9 as we're going through right now. Revelation 7 and verse 9. Often we think of evangelism in terms of winning people or preaching the gospel. But here, it's to bring the glory to God. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations. That word nations, ethne, people groups, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Well, there it is. In the last days, we're going to see a thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of people from every nation, every tribe, and every people. Why is making disciples of all nations so important? Well, Jesus directly links his return to the Great Commission on this scripture in Matthew 24 and verse 14. He says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, again, ethne, and then the end will come. There will be worshippers from every people group before the throne of God and purchased for God with the blood of men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So what Jesus is saying here, he's not going to return until every people group, not just every nation, but every people group is reached with the gospel. As we're moving on, a church for every people. What is the current status at the moment? How many people groups are there? In this presentation, there's 16,000, over 16,600 people groups in the world. Um, I wonder if you would take a guess today, how many of them are still unreached? Any, anybody want to guess today? Shout out. How many of them are still unreached? How many of these people groups are still unreached? What's that? 2,000? Any takers on 2,000? 3,000? 4,000? Well, let's, let's find out on the next slide. How many people groups are considered unreached, least unreached? Using this criteria of less than 2% evangelical or 5% adherence. 7,100. Now, that figure can be on various things. You might Google and various statistics. This is what we found on the Joshua Project. But that figure can go down to 6,700 depending on which research you're doing. But 7,000, 7,000 of these people are unreached with the gospel. Now, just a definition of a people group. You might be wondering, what is a people group? There you have the nation of India. Now, you can't really see it so much in here, but there's lines where the people groups are. Can you see it from there? 
there's little lines, and especially amongst Pakistan, you can see all of the different people groups that actually are there in India. Where on the world map, you'll just see India as a, pe- as a people group. And then there in Indonesia, all of the different people groups there in Indonesia. So you can see straight away, in some of these nations of Asia and the area of the 1040 window, there's lots and lots of people groups who have yet to hear about Jesus. Now yesterday, we were on the streets of London preaching. 75 people in four areas gave their life to the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. And uh, over a hundred people were preaching the gospel. Now, thank God, but most of London have heard the gospel. Unless we get one of these people flying into Heathrow and in the middle of the Hounslow, they hear the gospel and God sets them on fire and we send them back there to make a difference for Jesus. And we pray that that happens as well. In fact, one day we were evangelizing just in Notting Hill Gate. You might think that evangelizing in Notting Hill Gate can be insignificant. It can be a waste of time. Two people getting saved, three people getting saved. Not much breakthrough in terms of thousands getting saved. But one of the men evangelized the guy from the Vatican. And guess what? This guy was in the library. He was a scholar and he got born again. He got saved just at Notting Hill Gate. And what happened was he went back to the Vatican and started sharing the gospel. Hallelujah. We don't know the significant impact that we can have just by simply in the nations by evangelizing here in London. Now, countries with the most unreached people. Now, this is a statistic that so surprised me. Now, there's many other unreached people, like in Africa and places in northern Africa, but these are where the most people dwell. India, over 2,325 unreached people groups in India. When I found that figure, something just leaped inside of me because I'm from India. Hallelujah. My dad is half Indian. And uh, straight away, I, I, thought, I thought, you know what, I should take the, the ship that took my dad and, and my grandparents up to England, I should take that ship back as a pilgrimage to back to India to reach these people with the gospel. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He's already started a missions base in India to reach some of these unreached people. So 2,325 in Pakistan, 453. China, 419. Now, thank God for what God has done in China. But about 30, 40 years ago, you would never have thought that that statistic would only be 419. It would have been so much more. But we'll find out later what God has been doing in China. In Bangladesh, 331. Some of the people in Bangladesh are the most resistant to the gospel. I mean, I don't know if anybody here has evangelized someone from Bangladesh, a Muslim from Bangladesh. Very difficult to get, to get them even to understand the Christian faith. Then Nepal, 328. The Joshua Project. Now, if you go to the Joshua Project, Google Joshua Project uh, in your spare time, and you'll find out a lot more statistics that, that, that are on here. Most of this information today comes from the Joshua Project. So people who are online and people who are listening, then just make sure if you want to study this again, you can go to the Joshua Project and find out some more statistics on unreached people. So the red is the least evangelized. Then the yellow there is basically where there is a nominal church in these, these areas, some sort of church. And then in the, the green is where there is an evangelical church greater than 2% and greater than 5%. And here's a world map with the current statistics of unreached people groups. So there you see in the green is where England is, mostly reached. Brazil, mostly reached because of the revival there. Africa, South Africa there, what God was doing. You know, Africa, I think... 40, 50 years ago, praise shared it last, last week. It was only 3% Christian. But what God's done in the last 40, 50 years has been penetrating through Reinhard Bonker's ministry and other ministries actually penetrating a lot of Africa. And we need to really pray for Northern Africa. Thank God at the moment that Colin has prioritized Algeria. 
Algeria. Algeria, we've heard that over 100,000 people have been receiving Jesus Christ in Algeria. In fact, the fastest growing church in the Middle East is in Algeria right now. So we thank God for what's happening. But this red area is the area where we need to prioritize. That's the unfinished task that we have as a church. Most people in this red area are unreached with the, the gospel. So what strategy can the church use to make disciples of all nations? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, it's been my prayer this last week as we've been coming to the end of Missions Month that it's not just enough for us to pray about missions, is it? It's not just enough for us to raise 30,000 or 50,000 for missions, but we need to go on a mission. Amen? And uh, Colin has a passion that every single person who's here in Kensington Temple, whether you're here for three months, three years, 35 years, it doesn't matter. Our vision is that you will go on a mission with Kensington Temple. Amen. And so we want to make sure that the doors are open for missions. Jesus said, go on a mission. And I believe that the breakthrough that we need in the church at the moment is a missions breakthrough. As people go on missions, as we sow into other nations, we're going to come back and we're going to be able to transform our world. I remember when I went to Brazil, I was just in the Bible school, and it was okay. I was operating. I felt the presence of God. I felt that I was growing in the Bible school. But when I went to Brazil, something tangible happened to me. I didn't think about that this was going to happen to me before I went to Brazil. But when I went to Brazil, we went on the mission, and I saw Colin, our senior minister, Colin Dye, in another level of preaching. Now, it seemed like when he was preaching here, he was preaching as a teacher. It was nice. I found it a bit boring sometimes. And I was sleeping like some of you guys here at this presentation. But, you know, you know I felt like something needed to happen to me. But when I saw Colin in Brazil, he was what we call apostolic. Breakthrough. It was not just that he was shouting. It was actually when he, he gave the message, something happened. He would give words of knowledge. People from who were, had blind eyes, their blind eyes would be open. They would come on the platform and they would get saved. He would just give a word of knowledge. That word of knowledge would bring someone out of the congregation on the platform and they would be healed. And I I felt like I was breaking out of my comfort zone being in Brazil. And as I was breaking out of my comfort zone, I came back with more faith. I came back with breakthrough. I thought if God can do it in Brazil, he can do it in London. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I don't want you to become a missions addict, by the way, where you just, oh, let's just go back to Brazil because that's where the revival is. But the purpose of the statement is to say we go on mission and we sow seeds into other nations that we can bring the breakthrough back into Kensington Temple. Hallelujah. And fulfill what God's called us to fulfill. So is this a realistic goal to make disciples of all nations? Can it happen in the the real world? Well, if you look at Coca-Cola, for an example, they have a statement that says a can of Coke in the hand of every person on the planet. How are they doing? Well, Coca-Cola is sold in practically every country, over 200 countries worldwide since the 1800s. So we know that it can happen. They're penetrating most aspects of society. Only a few nations are not drinking Coke. And the reason for that is because a lot of the Muslim nations are saying, you know, it's Israel, it's Jewish-led, and also it comes from America, so they don't want to drink it. But in fact, even though they're resistant drinking Coke, still Coke is penetrating the Muslim world. And so we know that even in the natural world, in terms of business, it can happen. Here's some, some pictures of how Coke is penetrating the, the world. Hallelujah. How about instead of that Coke, some of you guys will take that boat to be missionaries, amen, to the lost people. Well, if you do, to look at Coke 
as an example of the Christian faith. Say we were trying to advance coke instead of the Christian faith. These are the statistics about where we are at as a church right now. 10% of people are true followers of Christ, of, of Coke fans. 20% of all believers of, in the world are just nominal believers. We need to pray that these nominal believers will get on fire for God in Jesus' name. They'll not be nominal and wear the Christian badge, but they'll actually go out and be missionaries. 40% of the world have heard the gospel. 40% of the world have heard the gospel and have decided not to follow the gospel. 40%, that's quite a huge figure. So we need to pray that those people who are resisting the gospel, the gospel will break through. And yet, 30% of the world have never heard. Virtually unknown. They've never had any exposure to the gospel. So when you're going out and preaching or sharing with your family members who've heard of Jesus like a million times and still not responded, 30% of the world have yet to respond to the Christian faith. What are some ways being used to reach some of these people in the world? Well, the Bible translation. Look at this statistic here. The Bible being translated. Well, the Bible wasn't translated for many, many years. And when you reach here, the 1500s, what is the reason for this leap? Well, the reason is the New Testament has been translated into the mother tongue of over 87% of the world's population. However, the remaining approximately 30% will require over 2,000 new translations. Where there's Bibles, where people can read the message, where people can actually read, where they can have a Bible in their hand or a pastor can actually preach or learn the Bible in some of these nations. That's why, where you're seeing a significant impact in terms of global evangelism. We thought it was just preaching and being anointed, but actually having a Bible in your hand and in your language is important when it comes to discipling the nations. What is the most viewed film in history? Well, it's the Jesus, the Jesus film. We heard George Vera last week say the Jesus film. He was handing out some of the Jesus movies. Why? Because it's had a significant impact in the world. Jesus film viewers in the nations. There have been approximately 6.5 billion viewings or hearings of the Jesus film. It is available online in over 1,200 languages, covering over 95% of the world's population. Now this is quite significant because lots of people will not be able to read. And the reason they can't read the Bible is because they, they've never learned how to read. So the only way they can hear the gospel is through audio or through a movie. And so the fact that we're reaching 6.5 billion people, you know, viewings of the Jesus movie, we're impacting people with the gospel. In Mali, I remember walking past and there was an outreach in Mali and the pastors were having the Jesus movie. And many people in that village would have not been able to read a Bible, but yet they could see Jesus on the screen and respond and give their lives to him. Christian radio broadcasting, this is an interesting statistic. It's estimated that Christian radio broadcasts cover at least 91% of the world's population. So we're doing pretty well in terms of broadcasting the God TV. I remember when God TV came here in 95, and that was just an idea back then. And now they're spreading all over the, all over the world. Now, for the negatives of God TV and all the stuff we can speak negatively, there are good things on God TV that are preaching the gospel and giving people an opportunity to hear about Jesus. We also heard of Colin's Sword of the Spirit uh, series that's penetrating the Muslim world. And Colin's going into some of these nations where people are actually recognizing him and say, Hey, I've seen you on TV. I've seen you on TV in the Middle East. And people are responding to Jesus in the Middle East just because what Colin and the ministry through KT is doing in the Middle East as well. We've discussed those statistics and you can write them down. 7,100 still to reach. Is Christianity stagnant, declining, or is it growing? 
Now this is an important view here when it comes to the different world religions in Buddhism, Christian, Hinduism, and Islam. Now Islam is growing more than nominal Christians. All Christians are growing by 1.2%. Even Buddhism is growing more than just all the Christians. But look here. Evangelical Christianity is growing more than Islam. Hallelujah. Amen. Evangelical Christianity. Holy Spirit, born again, full of God. They're growing. Because we know unless the Holy Spirit is in us, we're not going to grow. So if God is going to grow the church, he's grown it through people who are spirit-filled. There's an explosion of the non-Western church. Well, we know that. In Europe, the church is declining, the normal church. In fact, it's very difficult in Europe, but in areas in the south, true Christianity has grown by more than 300 million believers in the past 10 years. Just think about that. 300 million believers. 300 million believers in the last 10 years. About 10 million of these new Christians are from North America and Europe, where people have already heard of Jesus. The rest are 290 million are from developing countries like Nigeria. Any Nigerians here? A few of you are still quiet. Hallelujah. Nigeria. I asked, I asked one of my Nigerian friends to send my boy a, an eagle shirt. Hallelujah. But he hasn't done it yet, so I'm still waiting. Still waiting for the eagle top. Nigerian football top. For my boy. Not from you, but from my, from my in-laws if they're watching on the TV. He's, he, Brazil, India, and China. When I read this, it's, it's very interesting that all these people, number one, I'm married to a Nigerian, thank God. Brazil, I've been there more than any other nation, and I, I, love, I love Brazil. And then I, I'm actually from India. My ancestors are from India. So I'm actually spanning three of these nations. I only... Bruce had set upstairs, we eat Chinese food. So maybe that clarifies that. I'm in, I'm in all of that. So the global south, the new face of evangelical Christianity. The south of the world. South of the equator is the new face of Christianity. Not Europe, but the south. And our prayer has got to be that Nigeria, Brazil, India and China are the people who are going to send missionaries into the 1040 window to reach these unreached people groups. So in terms of Kensington Temple, we need to start being in Nigeria, Brazil, China and India. Amen? We need to start penetrating some of these worlds. We need to get Collins material into some of these nations and we need to start missions in these areas. Hallelujah. Anybody willing to go today to India? 2,000 unreached people groups. I don't know. That excites me. Philippines. Any Filipinos here? Way. A bit louder than the Nigerians. 3,000 churches in 1975. 3,000 churches in 1975. 2005. 55,000 churches. You can give Jesus praise for that today. 55,000. That's the kind of statistic that we need here in England. Hallelujah. That's a type of growth. That's what God is doing in the Philippines. And 2010, expect to send 10,000 workers into the 1040 window. 10,000 workers. Lord, we pray that one day KT will be able to send 10,000 workers into the 1040 window. Amen. That's the type of heart that Colin has. Here in China, 1948, less than 1 million believers. 2013, over 75 million believers. 75 million believers. Most of all the growth has been in the last 35 years. I remember 20 years ago, people were smuggling Bibles into China. Just believing God. It was very difficult, but many people have been receiving uh, Christ. In, in, anybody read The Heavenly Man? Heavenly man, reading about that, about the persecution in the Chinese church, but as a result of persecution, God has been increasing the church. 
over 12,000 new Chinese believers every single day. The great need is for pastoral training. Anybody willing to go to China? Amen. Some Filipinos, yes. Amen. We'll send you to China in Jesus' name. You'll be a KT missionary. Now these are the estimated missionaries sent by various countries over the next 15 to 20 years. Over the next 15 to 20 years, we can expect that 21,000 missionaries will come from Latin America or Brazil. When I look at that, I think that Bible school that we're raising 50,000 pounds for, hallelujah, just here, will send missionaries to Brazil. We saw Marcelo on a promotional DVD a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, we want to send missionaries from Brazil to the 1040 window. That's just a seed idea, just a seed thought. So we can think, KT could have a couple of thousand people going from that Bible school into the 1040 window to send them to Algeria, which is just near that arrow and north of Mali right now. Nigerians, well, we know that Nigerians are growing. The church is growing. We need Nigerian Christians to go to the north of Africa to evangelize. And in fact, many of them are already there in Mali. Uh, Deeper Life and uh, the Redeemed Church and lots of other churches are expanding to, to northern Africa. And we need more of that as well in some of the London churches. The Chinese church will send 50,000 missionaries in the next 15, 20 years. Filipinos, 10,000 missionaries. The Koreans will send 30,000 missionaries. So when you're praying in your prayer closet for the nations, these are the kind of nations that you need to be praying for. That God will raise up missionaries from the growing established evangelical church and send them to reach out to the unreached people. Why hasn't the Great Commission been completed? This is the challenge. Spiritual challenge. Satan does not want, Satan does not give up ground without a battle. More Christians were martyred in the 20th century than in the previous 19 centuries combined. 160,000 martyrs, they're estimating, are martyred per year. So there's, there's a lot of persecution going on out there in the world of trying to reach out to people in the 1040 window. Well, there's actually 7 billion people in the world. This is an old statistic. But viewing five per second, it would take 35 years to see everyone. 35 years just to see and to reach every single person with the gospel. So the challenges that we face, well, we face globalization is a a massive challenge in terms of economic and cultural and information technology. The internet has brought great opportunities to evangelize the world, but also great challenges to the church as well. Then localization. People have their cultural identity. There's nationalism and religious identity, especially when we're seeing the growth of Islam in, in the country. Also, people from Hindu background, they, they have a cultural identity. Even Spanish speakers who are actually growing in London at the moment, they have a cultural identity. But sometimes it's very hard to actually penetrate these, these areas when it comes to localization. Number three, urbanization. This is also a challenge for the church. Over 50% of the world are now urban. 50% of the world live in cities. By 2050, it's estimated that 66% of people will live in a city. Will live in a city. So we need to pray more than ever. It's very difficult, it seems, in London to penetrate people in the city because they they can also lose their cultural identity in the city as well. And and we're trying to reach different types of people. But when we go to the town or the village, you preach the gospel once and it seems that everybody knows about it. And the reason that everybody knows about it because everybody knows everybody else. But in a city, the, the... it's broken down. People don't know each other. I mean, in my town alone, I can walk down the street 
I, when, I, when I was 18, and I would know everybody. I'd say, hey, hi, 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 hi. When you go on the tube today, nobody speaks to you. In fact, you already premeditated. You put your Bible in your face like that. You ignore everybody else because everybody else is ignoring you. Uh, that's London. It's difficult. That's the challenge, urbanization. Christians, this is another challenge. Christians are 44% of urban populations, while we are only 33% or 30% around those statistics of the world's population. So 44% of Christians dwell in cities. Globally, 63% of Christians lived in cities in the year 2000. Migration, refugees, a challenge as well. Nomadic communities in the world, that's a challenge for the church. Hurting people, 400 million people on the verge of salvation in the world. That's a massive challenge for the church. Yes, we can preach the gospel, but can we meet the need? Can we feed the hungry? And so that's one of the challenges in Mali. Thank God we can preach the gospel. And I remember preaching the gospel to one of these villages. And we came back, we shared the story. The chief got saved. But when we left, he said, you know what? Thank God you brought the gospel. But can you give, can you give me a well? Can you dig me a well? I thought, my God, there, there is a great challenge. Right there. To dig wells. Not just to preach the gospel, but to dig physical wells in, in Mali so that people and children won't die. At an early age, in fact, Mali is one of those statistics. 40,000 children under age five will die today from malnutrition and sickness. Most of that sickness will come from unhealthy water. And so we can dig wells and bring food to Mali and areas like that. We can have a significant impact as a church. 1.3 billion people have no safe water. 1.1 billion no adequate shelter. 1.5 billion no medical care. Some of those statistics are quite mind body. What's the word? Boggling. Boggling. Amen. Mind boggling. But you can see that that is a key need that we need to pray about when it comes to reaching out to people in the 1040 window and in the world as well. Crises as wars, over 100 primarily ethnic wars, 90% of casualties are civilians. We can just think right now of Syria and Egypt and places like that that are kicking off. And yes, it's good that we want to see them saved, but we also got to build the nation and build the country and stability in these areas. Crises of the unreached, people are usually more open during times of rooting. You know, thank God for Christ, but God can use crises to open doors for the gospel, to break doors for the gospel. I know one of the nations that were at war, Colin was able just to go in there uh, because the doors were open. And uh, thank God for that as well, that even during crisis, doors for the gospel can open up and we can start penetrating like we've never penetrated before for Jesus. And then persecution. There's that statistic. Maybe up to 160,000 martyrs per year in 50 countries. That's a challenge. I mean, how many people would go on mission if you knew you were going to die? Everyone's quite content. That's why the mission's call needs to be awakened. It's not something that can be understood naturally speaking. Naturally speaking, why would you leave your family to know you're going to die so they, they'll be without a father or they'll be without a mother? You wouldn't naturally do it unless it was birthed by the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to world evangelism, it's got to be God. Amen? It's got to be the call of God doing something inside of you and me that sends us to these nations. 
People groups challenge. Remaining people groups are the most difficult to penetrate. We have geographic barriers, remote, harsh climates where you can't actually get to some of these people because of the climate barriers. We have linguistic barriers, literacy, no scripture in their languages. And so even in Mali and North Africa and other places, they actually have these contraptions, a bit like bigger than this, where people can just press play. And on these contraptions, they're playing the Bible. So when they give their lives to Christ, they give them a contraption like this and they can just listen to the Word of God in their language. So people like the Wycliffe Bible Centre, they're in a... Where is it again? Up by Watford. Wickham, High Wickham. That's where the Wycliffe Bible Training Centre is. They have these little contraptions that teach people the Gospel. Cultural barriers, persecution, close to change, Christianity viewed as a foreign religion. So that's some of the challenges. The imba- this, is, this is a shocking statistic. It's something that we really need to pray about as a church. Imbalance in missionary distribution. What percentage of missionaries work among unreached people? Only one in ten missionaries work among the unreached. Only one. So where are the other nine going? They're going to people who've already heard of Jesus. Nine missionaries have been sent out to countries that have already heard the gospel. Paul said in Romans 15, 20, I don't want to preach on another man's foundation. I want to preach to people who've never heard of Jesus. That should be our focus as a church. The third of the world that are Christian. We should be, we should be pumping these people into the unreached. For every dollar or pound Christians give, only less than a penny, less than a penny will go on world mission. Less than a penny. Now that may be more or less, I mean maybe 5p, but it's still a very, a very least amount depending on these statistics being quite true. So what can we do? Well, I was reading on the Joshua uh, website, Joshua Project website, there's five areas, church planting and presence. Well, number one, we need to pray that there's a presence in some of these areas. It's quite hard to get into some of these North African areas where you can't even get a visa to get there. But thank God for favour where we can go and plant some churches. You know that church planting is the most effective form of of sustainable evangelism. Planting a presence, planting a venue, planting a people there who actually stay there and start to reach the land for Jesus. Number four, uh, reaching oral learners. So having contraptions like this where people can listen to the gospel. Number three, increasing evangelization with a focus on Muslims, Buddhists and Hindus. Now we know that 1040 window right there is mostly made up of Muslims, then Hindus and then a few Buddhists uh, towards China area. So we need to pray that there'll be a lot more missionaries reaching Muslims, Buddhists and Hindus. And that simply means for us here right now, if we're serious about reaching the world, we can't be arguing with the atheists because the atheists are just a little small amount of the world. The atheists, the people who believe in evolution, the people that we argue with on a daily basis, they're just the minority of the world. The world out there, over 2 billion people who are unreached with the gospel, who are mostly Muslim, Buddhist and Hindu, those are the people that we need to reach. So the studies that we should be undertaking as a church are studying about how to reach Muslims, studying how to reach Buddhists, studying how to reach out to Hindus in a contextualization in terms of if we're to go there, how we're to engage with these people. Number two, engaging the unengaged people groups of the world. Now, of those 7,000 that we read statistically who are unreached, some of them have some little Christian thing, less than 2%. But some of them, 
oh, I think it's over 2,000 of them, have never heard. They've never had a missionary. There's been no one at all spoken to them about the gospel. And so we need to pray that. And then scripture translation, which we shared earlier as well. So there's three things that we can do. Number one, we can pray. We can pray for the world. We can pray for these nations. Number two, we can give. But that's my prayer, the third one, that we will go. Hallelujah. You will go. I will go. And we wouldn't just go like it's like a holiday. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm going to Brazil. I'm going to see Rio de Janeiro. Hallelujah. You know, and I'll do some missions. Ooh. No, not that. Something that's birthed by God. Something, I'm not bothered about a holiday. Maybe I'll go on the beach. Maybe I'll meet some people. Maybe I'll eat some feijoada. But I want to go there to reach people who are unreached with the gospel. Because God is birthing something in your spirit. He's given you a desire there in Jesus' name. Now you can have fun on mission, but let's make sure if we're going to go, it's something birthed by the Holy Spirit. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's the vision. What's our motive in going? What's our motive in going? Our motive is to make sure that Jesus gets all the glory. That tribes, tongues, and nations will come together on that day when we're all in heaven because of the evangelization that we've been participating in as well as all the other missions agencies and the churches that when we get to heaven on that day we can see people that we've reached with the gospel who will bring Jesus glory, hallelujah. Who will be worshippers. That's the goal of world evangelism. Now what was that at the beginning? It was a table tennis. Say. That's the big picture, seeing the big picture as we move forward, London and the world for Christ. That gives you a bit of statistics today of how to reach unreached people groups and the need of the church in Jesus' name. Shall we stand right now as we pray? Now if I go back, I want us to pray regarding these five areas these five areas. I want us to begin to pray for a few moments for these five areas. Number one, that God will accelerate scripture translation in the 1040 window. That God will start to raise up missionaries, not for reach people or not even for engaged people, but actually for people who are unengaged. There's no missionary, no Bible, no contact with the gospel. That God will raise up people to evangelize, evangelists to the Muslims, evangelists for the Buddhists, evangelists to the Hindu. That God will... Accelerate the oral learners. People can hear the gospel and audio and TV. And their churches will be planted in these areas. All those churches in Nigeria that were burned down, let them be rebuilt in the name of Jesus. Amen. And other areas that we don't even hear about on the news. So let's begin to pray right now. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's begin to pray for these five areas right now in Jesus' name. Scripture translation, unengaged people, a revival amongst the Muslims. Father God, we lift up these five areas to you, Father, that we've identified today. Lord, we're shocked to see, Father God, that over 2 billion people have never heard of Jesus. And Lord God, we pray in your mighty name that, Lord, you'd raise up people who will translate the Scriptures into people's languages so they can read about Jesus. And Lord, we pray that people who have never had any contact with the Gospel, we ask you today that we as a church can identify people that we can pray for and intercede for, that you'll raise up missionary agencies to reach out and to engage with these people who have never heard of God, Lord and Jesus. Lord, we pray for 
evangelists, among the Muslims, amongst the Buddhists, amongst the Hindus, Lord God. Missionaries who will study about these religions to go into these areas and preach an effective gospel message with signs and wonders to reach out to these people. Father, we pray for all world learners. We pray for church planters, Lord God, to go out and to plant churches in these locations, in these areas, Father God. Lord, we ask you there's more than that, more than these five areas. So God, we pray today for ourselves. Wake us up, Lord God. Wake us up to world evangelism. Wake us up to pray for the nations. Wake us up to give to the nations. Wake us up to go to the nations. Father, do something in our lives today, in the lives of Katie, in the lives of our cell group, Lord God, that will revolutionize the church. We pray for the crowds of the 9 and 11 that you'd raise up missionaries. Raise up people who will go. Raise up people who will go into the 1040 window, Lord God, and wouldn't look back. They will leave their light behind and go and preach and be a missionary, a long-term missionary. Thank you, Father, for short-term missions. But Lord, we cry out to you today. Oh God, raise up long-term missionaries, Lord God, from KT, from Brazil, from Mali, from Marseille, in the name of Jesus, God, who will go and reach the people who have never heard of the gospel. Father, we ask you these things today. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands right now. Make that prayer specific today. Jesus said, you know, that he, the harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. And Isaiah had a vision. He said, whom shall I send? The Lord said, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. And I want you just to pray that prayer today. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, here I am. Lord, how do you want me to be involved in mission? Do you want me to be an intercessor? Do you want me to give, Lord, to use my business, Lord, to fund the gospel? Or do you want me to go? Or do you want me to do all three of those things, Father God? Lord, we can pray, we can give, and we can go. So, Father, I pray, raise up goers. Raise up goers. People have been staying too long, seated in the seat, Lord God, of Katie, studying the vision for years, Lord God. It's now is the time to go. Now is the time to go. Now is the time to go. Now is the time to go to the nations. Now is the time to go and intercede, to go and be planted and marry the land of some of these nations in Jesus' name. To marry the land of Mali, to marry the land of Marseille, to marry the land and to become a KT missionary. Lord, raise up goers, Lord. Raise up goers, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give Jesus praise today. Thank you, Daniel.